Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. Chapter 9, verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall on all beasts of the earth, and on all the birds in the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground, and on all flesh in the sea. They are given into your hands. Verse 3. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you just as i gave you the green plants i now give you everything but you must not eat meat that has its life's blood still in it verse five and for your life blood i will surely demand an accounting i will demand an accounting from every animal and from each human being too i will demand an accounting for the life of another human being verse six Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase upon it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you. The birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. Verse 12, and God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. Verse 18, the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These were the three sons of Noah, and from them came the people who were scattered over the whole earth. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked, 
and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. And when they walked in backward and covered, and then they walked in backward and covered their father's naked body, their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves. The lowest of slaves will be to his brothers. He will be to his brothers. Verse 26, he also said, praise to be to the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be slave, the slave of Shem. Verse 27, may God extend Japheth's territory. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem and may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. Noah lived a total of 950 years and then he died. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to be primarily focusing on verses 1 through 17. There's a, a pretty cool, a lot of stuff, a lot of really cool stuff to learn uh, from these verses here, this section here, 1 through 17. Um, but what we got here is the story of Noah after the flood. So basically what we see is an entire fresh new start. It's God remaking, recreating, reordering the world after he destroyed it, completely obliterated it using a flood. Uh, you know, God basically has had it with humanity up to this point from Abraham, from Adam up to Noah. Noah is um, seen as uh, in, in when God presents this idea um, and has this idea to flood the earth and kind of redo everything, um, he sees that Noah, the Bible says, is the most righteous land, man in the land. So Noah has favor upon uh, from God, and God places his favor upon Noah, and he allows Noah to take his family, uh, animals, take his children, his wife, his children's wives, and he allows Noah, he asks Noah to build this ark so that he and his family and all the animals on the earth, two of every kind, um, could be saved and spared from the flood so that they could repopulate the earth. And here is it, in chapter nine, we see God's restructuring, reordering, and kind of establishing this covenant with Noah. And so what we see from verses nine through seven is God basically instructing Noah on how to live on this new, newly remade, created earth, right? And so in verse one, we see that it says, then God blessed Noah. And that word right there, blessed, uh, is pretty much the key word of the entire book of Genesis, right? It's a reminder that the God of our Bible, the God that we believe in, the God uh, that we serve always has been and will always be a God that blesses his people. You know, I, I always, uh, I laugh sometimes when people say, oh, well, you know, God doesn't have favorites. I don't believe that's genuinely true. And here's why. Because God gives his favor and he places his favor upon those who love him 
who trust him, who believe in him. And therefore, you and I are his favorite. That's, that's the way I would view it. And that's the way I would, I would like look through that lens. Like you are God's favorite. He favors you. He wants to bless you. His desire was never to, to destroy humanity. His desire was never to obliterate this humanity. His desire all along was to bless humanity. And so in this moment, we see him doing that very thing where he speaks this blessing over Noah. And this is such a good word for us to hear because it's so easy to be restless in a world and, and restless in this world and discontent and uh, looking for other things, for other passions, for other desires, looking for blessings in all the wrong places, when the blessing that we're always looking for is always found in the hands, the heart, and the mouth of our Father, right? We always want more. We're never satisfied. And yet God will always, always express, right? God's will for us to is to express gratitude for his every single blessing, right? So he says, then God blessed Noah and his sons saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth, right? This is kind of like a reminder of uh, what his original plan was with Adam and Eve, right? He told Adam and Eve in the first chapter of Genesis or the second chapter of Genesis, second and third, right? I want you to be, be fruitful and multiply. That's the entire uh, original story, origin story of Genesis is he tells Adam, hey, you are to dominate this earth and you are to be fruitful and multiply it. You, to, you are to uh, populate it and bring forth life, right? And so in verses two, we say, we see then the fear and the dread of you will fall on all beasts of the earth and on all the birds in the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground, and on all flesh in the sea, they are given into your hands. Here God is again. He's establishing the original plan. My plan was for you to always multiply, to bring forth life, to be fruitful, to be blessed. And you are to have dominion over every single animal and thing on this earth, right? Why did God put this fear and terror of man in all the creatures? There's two primary reasons why. Number one was for the protection of animals who will no longer be at peace with man, right? In the original state that God created earth on, right? Man, Adam, and the animals cohabitated, right? And God gave Adam dominion to have and to eat over every fruit of every tree. But now what we're going to see is God actually now establishes a new diet, kind of, in a, in a sense. And he allows man now to enjoy the fruit or the meat of the animals that are on the earth, right? Look what he says in verse 3 and 4. Everything that lives and moves about will be good fruit, will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. So the way that I gave the plants to Adam, now I'm giving you not just the plants, but now you can have full reins at the animals too. This is my argument for all of you right here. God, God said it's okay. God said it's okay to eat meat, guys. Right, right here, right here. It says it right here. 
and from each it's a uh, oh, but you must what not eat meat. meat you think i'd be eating meat i don't think the way we're doing it you're supposed to be doing it you know i don't like the way they do it there's some can somebody mute that who's, who's there i'm sorry let me for some reason there we go okay so right here all right it says Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. So now God says to Noah, hey, now you can eat meat. But there's some restriction on that. There's some dietary restrictions on that. You're not to eat meat with blood on it. Right. Now, it's important to understand, guys, this is the, the, the established, this is the covenant, the law that God is giving to Noah. Not even really law. It's a, it's, he's saying, hey, you can eat the fruit. You could also eat the meat, right? And he puts this fear between the animals and, and the men to protect man, right? Number one, to protect the animals who will no longer be at peace with man, right? but for the protection of man who will no longer be at peace with animals. But you also have to understand that God just flooded the entire earth. Okay. The earth is destroyed. The vegetation, right? Like there's probably so much. So now it's a way of God providing sustenance for humanity, for, for Noah and his family. Right. So because so that means that it was also the protection of man who will no longer be at peace with animals. But it's also God's way of providing sustenance for mankind who is now going to have to re uh, kind of re uh, rebuild the earth. Right. According to uh, God's word and God's will. And so he says to them in verse six. So he gives them a new diet and as, yeah, provide sustenance for them. But then now he establishes, right, how important life is to him. And by him, I mean God. In verse six, it says, whoever sheds human blood, I'm sorry, verse five, let's go back to verse five. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an account. I will demand an account from every animal and from each human being too. I will demand an account for the life of another human being. This is God saying, hey, life is extremely important to me, right? So it's not that you should just go around killing everything you encounter, right? Life is significant to God. And he's saying, and for your life, now he's talking about the life of human beings, the life of man, and for your life, blood i will surely demand an accounting i will demand an accounting from every from every animal and from each human being now think about how much god values life that he will demand an account from even animals that take the life of a man right from each human being too i will demand an accounting for the life of another human being verse six he says whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. Now here is the very crux for why God will demand an account 
for the shedding of someone's blood or the taking of someone's life. Because all of us, every man, woman, child was created in the image of God. You and I are image bearers of God. Therefore, you and I should value one another's lives. We should have a value for life because we have a value for the image of God. We should have a value for life because we have a value for the image of God. Because we value God, we should value people. Because we value who God is, we should value the creation of God and who God created because God created each and every person, man, woman, child, to be in the image of God. We are image bearers of God. First, it's clear that this verse is giving us a command, not just a suggestion or permission, right? It is a requirement that we value the life of people. It is a requirement that we value the life of another. It is a requirement that we value the life of our brothers and sisters. Now, the cool thing is that this verse literally translates, right? When anyone takes the life from the hand of a man, his brother, the point is that God will require the blood of someone who kills since the person who killed is a relative, a brother of that killer. There should be a sense of brotherhood in our relationships with other people. I should see Doug as my brother. I should see Nicole as my sister. I should see Chet as my brother. And therefore, because I see him as my brother, a child created in the image of God, I value Chet's life. I value Doug's life. I value Nicole's life. I value Jenny's life because Jenny, Doug, Nicole, each and every one of us were created in the image of God. And so that is why God is so stern on the fact that he will account and require and demand an account for anyone who takes the life of a person, right? And some people use this as a, as a justification for capital punishment. We're not going to get into all that. But what we are trying to introduce and what, what God is trying to introduce, what God is trying to communicate is that God is a God who values life, right? He's a God who values life. And instead of taking life, look what he does in verse seven. He reiterates again, as for you, be fruitful and increase in number multiply on the earth and increase upon it. He reiterates the importance of populating the earth. And I would just communicate it this way, right? Because I love the contrast that God creates here. God creates this contrast of, hey, rather than taking life, you should be producing it. Rather than taking life, I will demand an account for anyone who sheds the blood of his brother, who, who takes the life of his brother, Instead of taking life, you should be fruitful, multiply, and produce life, right? Rather than taking life, we should be producing life. We should be life-producing people. Rather than taking life, we should be populating the earth, producing life with children, 
boys, girls, men, women who are image bearers of God on the earth. In verse 8, he says, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you and with every living creature that was with you and the birds, the livestock and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the of the ark with you, every living creature. I establish my covenant with you. I want to stop there real quick, because here we see God transition from instructing Noah on how to live this life on this newly redone earth, right? And he basically establishes a covenant with Noah. And three things that we could learn about this covenant, I want you to write this down. Number one, this covenant is unconditional. This covenant is unconditional, right? And we'll see, and I'll, I'll, I'll explain what I mean by that. Number two, this covenant is universal. And number three, this covenant is eternal, right? So between the, the verses, between verses 8 through 17, right, you will see a recurring I, myself, and my, which demonstrates this unconditional nature of this covenant, that it does not depend on what we do as human beings it doesn't depend on what we don't do as human beings. This is an unconditional covenant that God says that no matter what happens on earth, he will never destroy the earth again through a flood. Let's read that again. Then God said to Noah and to his sons, to him, uh, with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you. And with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the animals. See, this is where we say, why we say it's universal. It's not just Noah. It's his family. It's the livestock. It's the wild animals of the earth. All those that came out of the ark with you. Every living creature on earth. Every living creature on earth, right? I, again, that's three times. And I established my covenant. There's a fourth one. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of the flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I, that's five times, am making between me and you and every living creature with you a covenant for all generations to come. So we see those three things. Number one, this is a covenant both established by God influenced by God, motivated by God, inspired by God, and carried out by God, right? So it's unconditional. There's nothing that will change that covenant. There's no limitations on it. He says he will never again do it. He will never again. This is a covenant he establishes with Noah, his family, all the living creatures of the earth, right? Which means it's universal, across the board for everybody but the third thing is that it is eternal it's an eternal covenant for all successive generations right so not only is it for noah his family every living creature but for all the future generations to come since god is the eternal god who dwells outside of space and time 
he can maintain his covenant as long as he sovereignly chooses, right? It's a covenant that he can maintain for as long as he wants. And it is not a covenant that has ever changed. He said, I will never again destroy the entire earth, right, by flood. Verse 12, and God said, this is a sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it, excuse me, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember and the everlasting I remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on this earth. So God said to Noah, this is a sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on the earth. And I would just encourage you to say that, number one, God is a God who establishes covenants. He is a God who establishes promises. He is also the God who is faithful to keep those promises. He is also the God who is faithful to keep those covenants. When God said he's going to do something, God is not a God who changes his mind. Every single word he speaks is truth. When he says he's going to do something, he's going to do it. When he says he's not going to do something, he's not going to do something, which really should encourage us because that means that he is a God that can be trusted. He is a God that can be trusted. Amen. Verse 18. Now we have an interesting dynamic situation that happens between Noah and his sons in this moment. It says the sons of Noah who came out of the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. So it's letting you know Canaan, if you remember, is the promised land that will be populated with people that are not included in God's promises. And you know in the future that when the people of God, the Israelites, go into the land of Canaan, they have to eliminate all of those people in order to populate the land that God has given them, right? And so um, Ham is the, the father of all those people, right? And he becomes the father of all those people because of this situation right here. In verse 19, it says, these were the three sons of Noah, and from them came the people who were scattered over the earth. So they populated the earth, right? Noah, a man of the soil, meaning he was a farmer, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, this is the first reference that we get in the Bible of, of intoxicating drinks being, being made, right? Um, it says, when he... Verse 21, when he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. So Noah gets plastered and ends up naked in his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, uh, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backward. 
and covered their father's naked body, their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. When Noah woke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves, will be to his brothers. Will he be to his brothers? He also said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God extend Japheth's territory. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, that seems to be like an overreaction. What did he do? He just told his brothers. It's not what he did, but why he did it, right? So when the Bible says that he went and spoke to Shem and Japheth, his brothers, we're talking about Ham, the son that encounters, he walks into Noah's tent. He sees Noah drunk, passed out, naked. And the Bible says that he wants to communicate this to his brothers, Shem and Japheth. But the heart behind it was dishonoring to Noah. In fact, the, the, in the original language, the, the, when it says that he communicated to his brother Shem and Japheth, it communicates, it communicates and translates in a way that he found delight in doing so, right? So think about this, right? Joe Cardona does something wrong. And then I go to Doug, and man, I can't wait to tell Doug and expose Joe Cardona about what Joe Cardona did, right? And so it's this idea of dishonoring how willingly and joyfully he wanted to dishonor Noah by exposing him for what he had just done. God is not a God of dishonor, right? And so when that happens, you see the difference between Ham and his brother Shem and Japheth. And I love this because honestly, this is something that I think we could learn as we get ready to, to close here. But we need to be people who aren't just looking to expose one another, but to lovingly cover one another. Now, I'm not talking about brushing things under rug. I'm not talking about address, not addressing issues. That, that's not what I'm talking about. But when we sit around and we look to expose people simply for the fact of exposing them, rather than lovingly, the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins right? Love covers a multitude of sins. We should be people who are looking to honor one another and to cover one another, not expose one another. That's kind of what I got from that. But anyways, let's pray. I hope something stuck out to you from this morning. So I love going through the Old Testament and learning all the different facets of, you know, the stories of what God does to get his people to the point of the arrival of Jesus, where we know um, it was always meant to lead in the first place from the time that Adam and Eve sinned. But let me pray for you guys. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you um, that you are faithful. We thank you that you are a God who not only establishes covenants, but keeps them. 
I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that you could, you are a God who can be trusted. God, I even thank you that you are a powerful God, that you are powerful enough to destroy an earth, but also powerful enough to rebuild it, that you are powerful enough to lay the foundation uh, for everything, but you are also the God who is powerful enough to destroy it. And so, God, I just pray that we would stand in awe in reverence of who you are. But I also thank you that you are the God who blesses and provides and keeps your people. And so, Lord, I just pray that very thing as we enter the weekend, God, that you would bless us, that you would provide for us, that you would keep us. God, as we enter into the weekend and we uh, get to Sunday, God, we're going to be gathering together for a revival prayer. Lord, I pray right now for Sunday, Sunday morning, God, that revival would break out in a church Sunday night, that it would be a revival that breaks forth. God, I pray for souls to come into your kingdom. And Lord, I just pray that there would be a mighty move, uh, not just this weekend, but in the days to come. And so, Lord, we just thank you. We honor you. We glorify you. We give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.